0: Hello there, cinephiles. Welcome back to Special Features. I'm your host, Scott Lentz. I'm trying a little different format this time. I'm going off the cuff instead of uh, reading from a script here. Uh, didn't really have time to write anything this time around, but still wanted to give a little bit of an intro here. Uh, on this episode, I sit down with my good friend Al Manelli, who is a documentary filmmaker here in Lancaster. And uh, he just got back from LA premiering his documentary at the drive-in at the TCL Chinese Theater, formerly known as Grauman Chinese Theater in Los Angeles. Uh, It's probably the most iconic movie theater in the world, Uh, so that is uh, quite an exhilarating experience for any filmmaker. Uh, Personally, I I can't speak for everybody here, but I think most people who uh, decide they want to be filmmakers, you know, naturally everybody grows up thinking that they're uh, going to show their movies in theaters, um, and uh, that's you know what you grew up watching, so that's what you ultimately want to do. Uh, a lot of people, when they first become filmmakers, uh, they start uh, going to film festivals. Uh, you've got your big ones, your Sundance, your Tribeca, your uh, South by Southwest, um, but there are literally thousands of film festivals out there. Uh, I use a a site called Film Freeway. Uh, There's also one called Without a Box that connects you to all different kinds. And, you know, they're not all really the same. Not everything is just a film festival. A lot of them are really niche film festivals. They uh, cater to LGBTQ. They cater to sci-fi. They cater to horror. Uh, There's all kinds of them all over the country here, even in, in small towns. And the thing about it is you can't just tell what is a good festival just really by looking at uh what Film Freeway gives you or just by where it is like some of the really cool film festivals happen in some of the you know locations that you wouldn't understand or or wouldn't think uh would house some of these great festivals like uh, I talked with Taryn on the last episode about we met at a film festival called the Indie Gathering which is in Cleveland which you don't think of when you think of film festivals, but it was a fun festival. It was at a hotel. They had really great mixers. They had some cool people there. Um, ultimately, you decide what you want to pursue as far as going to a film festival. It's it's up to you, um, but this one in particular, um, anytime a film festival shows at a actual movie theater, that's always a big plus. Uh, that always gets them a lot of submissions. Um... Several of them happen at TCL Chinese Theater. This one happened to, called Dances with Films, which is where Al submitted it to. Uh, and which is great for him because it's really hard to get feature documentaries into film festivals in the first place. Uh, most of them. Uh, It's hard to program festivals. Uh, You want to get as many of the submissions in as possible. Uh, So things that tend to be longer, um, it tends to be tougher to get into some of them. Usually the shorter the better. Uh, I had some trouble with a couple of shorts that I made that were a little over 20 minutes long and it's harder to program those. So uh, it's it's just another testament to how great this film was at the drive-in. Uh, that Al did that got into as a feature documentary in a film festival like this. It was great to sit down and talk with him, and uh, he'll tell you all about it uh, in the episode here. Also, for this episode, we're going to change up the format a little bit here. We're going to go into one specific movie instead of kind of giving a more general conversation. uh, I'm going to focus on one film, and we're going to try to dive as deep as we can into that one. Uh, For this one, I'm going to talk to Al about the movie Signs, uh, which is by M. Night Shyamalan. Philadelphia director, pretty local to where we make films in, in Lancaster. Um, we're going to play a game and uh, we're going to have some fun with it and uh, hopefully give you uh, some information you may not have known about the film. Uh, for my money, it's probably M. Night Shyamalan's best work, in, in my opinion. Uh, I think it's going to stand the test of time, kind of harkens back to the old Hitchcock uh, type thrillers. Um, so it's uh, it's one of my favorites and, and I can't wait to talk to you about it. So uh, without any ado, here we go.
1: just busy trying to get 400 different things done at once but you know that's i'm sure you and anyone listening who works on videos can relate Mm -hmm. i was gonna say coming back from la i was expecting it to look a little tanner but i don't think you were there long enough no that really (laughs) 36 hours so we we made uh We made the most of it. Um, From when I landed until when I got on the plane, it was about 36 hours. But we crammed a lot in. You know, we went to the Hollywood sign, Griffith's Observatory, had our screening. Um, So yeah, it was a pretty quick trip, but certainly, yeah, not enough to be uber-tanned. Yeah, I guess that's the first thing I'm going to bust your balls on, because
0: I saw the pictures of, uh, of the screening. And, uh, let's talk about you wearing cargo shorts to <laughs> perhaps the most famous movie theater uh, in the world.
1: Yeah. I, uh, I'm not a, I'm not a blazer and, and slacks guy. Um, I you know I, I I feel like in a way I was kind of like Kevin Smithing it in a way. I was way. just I gonna to...
0: say all you were missing was the hockey jersey. Yeah,
1: I, I, I had full. the I had the custom T-shirt with the, mm. the film's logo on it. Um, but you know it's it's hot there. I didn't want to wear pants, so <laughs> cargo shorts. Yeah. It is my, now, my wife tells me that cargo shorts are no longer cool. But were they ever? I, I mean, I don't know. I, I still like them. I mean, I, I need those extra pockets. They're functional. I, I yeah. say all the time when I'm on set, I was like, this is one of the few professions you
0: can have where it's acceptable to wear cargo shorts. Yes. You carry lenses around in cargo <laughs> shorts <and> all kinds <laughs> of things. So they're, they, they're functional, but you know. Um, so uh, tell me about the screen. How, how, how was it? I mean, that's got to be something that. Uh, Bucket list thing, or no, you know, sure. something for for yeah. every filmmaker to have their their film screen at, formerly known as Grauman's Chinese
1: Theater. Yeah. Now what it's, is it? T-C- it's TCL, TCL now. Yeah, okay. it's uh, no. corporately no. corporately owned, as as we all love. No. <laughs> um, See, that's like calling Yankee Stadium like. Right. Well, I, I'm shocked. <laughs> Bank that of America Stadium. I'm shocked that, that, that Yankee yeah. Stadium. Isn't changed yet because yeah. I feel like every in the NFL, every stadium was right. changed to like let's you rename know. Fenway Park, yeah. Dunkin' Donuts Stadium. Like, I think baseball, because of their obsession with history, is going to have a hard time. You got those that. few, yeah, you know, fields. You had Veterans Stadium, yeah. in Philly, but and you
0: know, Yankee Stadium's gonna stick there, Wrigley's gonna stick, Fenway's gonna stick, but yeah, everywhere else, it, it'd be
1: difficult to,
0: to replace those. Nowhere else really has the, the clout. Kind of thing, Dodger Stadium, I guess. Yeah, that'll that'll stick around.
1: So, so tell so, me, tell me all about it. Yeah, so it was part of the Dances with Films film festival, um, and they host it at the at the Chinese Theater every year. And honestly, like the the reason I submitted to that festival is like because that you know. And, you know, they they get quite a bit of submissions, so it was nice to be chosen. It wasn't the most competitive film festival that we got into. Um, It got about 2,000 submissions, and they picked about... That's not bad. Yeah, they picked about... I think overall they picked, like, 200 films, but only, like, a couple of feature docs. So it was nice to be one of those feature docs. Um, But the festival's super well-run. Um, attendance is good. There's people writing about the festival, which is cool. Um, you know, we had a lot of people at the screening came up to us afterwards to talk about the movie. know, I was like, oh, we write for this website or this, you know. So it was, it was cool to actually have people who appreciate film, who write about film, come see the movie. Um, and then obviously, you know, there's people there just interested in movies off the street. So uh, we had a nice mix of people. And uh, we did a QA and a afterwards. But the whole thing, and I, and I mentioned this during the Q&A, the whole thing almost didn't happen because I my dad had open-heart surgery on Monday of that week. Mm. So he had been waiting to get this operation done. And it was like a major operation. Like they had to replace a bunch of things. And the, the procedure ended up taking 15 hours. So, yeah, it, it was fucking brutal. Wow. So we we're told like days before that, okay, it has to be Monday, June 11th. And we were just like, okay. And my dad knew about my screening and he actually asked the doctor if they could move his heart surgery. So I didn't have to worry about potentially missing my screen. Like that's the level of my dad's like support and care. And like, I, I know I'm super lucky with, like, I know there's people out there whose parents just didn't care or support their endeavors. Um, So, uh, that's just... That's him. That's my dad. And he ended up having it on that Monday because they had to do it then. And he survived. And it was a 15-hour procedure. And he... We didn't know if he was going to survive. Like, It's never guaranteed with with heart. Yeah, and with the amount of stuff. Like, the doctors kept telling us, this is a very risky procedure. So, he basically, like, said goodbye to us almost. And it was, like, scary. And it was sad. And... He he survived and he made it. And we, you know, I ended up going the next day, getting on a flight to California. You know, and my, you know, they're sending me pictures of my dad. You know, looking good, being you know healthy. He was out. He was good. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'd seen him. Yeah, yeah. So um, I think I'll always remember this trip and this screening in conjunction with my dad so I think it'll always have a special place not just because it was in Los Angeles or it was at the Chinese Theater but just because you know what it took to get there and what we went through um, yeah you're so, going to remember it for all the reasons you didn't think yeah. you would remember it yeah um, so you took a couple of the guys out there with you yeah they, they wanted to come you know I told them about it I was like you know <laughs> if you guys want to come yeah, yeah you know they, they, they paid their tickets and they came and it's a lot of fun. I like when they're there with me. Um, usually when I get up and do a QA and a afterwards and it's just me, um, I could tell they have tons of questions for the people in the film, not just about them but about the Mahoning. So I ended up sometimes, if I'm by myself, having to talk about the film and the drive-in. You know, So I think it's, it's always helpful when those guys are there to add extra stuff because no one really wants to hear from the director. They want to hear from the people in the movie. You know? Sure especially with that cast of characters that oh yeah in, yeah
0: in these uh, in this movie you're kind of drawn to those types of people and like in the yeah. other documentaries that you do so the yeah. Lancaster documentaries uh, that you do, you're just drawn to
1: interesting people is that kind of your your thing yeah I, I'm more every film I make deals with a theme that I'm sort of like struggling with in my life so it wouldn't Seen that way when you watch them but everyone like they're i don't just make i'm not just oh this is an interesting person. like i know plenty of interesting people that i haven't made documentaries about yet because i haven't found that like personal way in if that makes sense like a like okay there this is a theme or, or something here that i struggle with so um But yeah, I mean I I I feel like every every one I try to find people that there's like a bunch it's like a checklist, you know, it's like they have to have this, this, and this and you know. Usually it's people doing something um not necess something not ordinary, not everyday run of the mill. And they do it no matter what. And they have passion. Because I think people with passion is what interests me because that's what I am. Um, that's how I feel. Um, and sometimes doing things, you know, not from... Like, these guys do everything for free, you know? Like, obviously, the drive-in gets money from tickets, but they don't get paid. That just goes back into sustaining... Yeah, they don't get paid at right. all. They're yeah. just doing it for the love of
0: yeah. of, of movies or, or, or really the drive-in movies. Is that their
1: motivation? Like, would they just do this at any movie theater? or is Yeah, really I don't, don't know. I, yeah, I think it. I think it's about the drive-in, and it's about sort of that history of it but also bringing in this sort of new i mean i hate to say new because their whole programming is retro and everything but they're bringing like the sort of newer marketing sense to it you know like they're doing vhs fest where they're screening vhs movies on the big screen or having a video game contest like that stuff that you know that's sort of like this new age ideas with sort of like the old-fashioned. Movies used to be just a given. Like, yeah. this movie's playing.
0: Come see it. Like, you didn't have to do your own marketing
1: yeah. for a while there. You now know? it has to be, because they're older movies, now it has to be an event. You have to create, right. yeah. you know, okay, we have to deck out the concession stand. We have to get people dressed up. You know, it has to be, there has to be more to it than just the movies sometimes. Because people are there more for the atmosphere, I think. Yeah, and especially with their limitations. Like, a little, background
0: for the audience this is a a drive-in movie theater that was incapable of purchasing a digital projector so newer movies are unless they're being given to them on real very unlikely to ever show at this theater so they're showing older screenings um so they're having to make it like more of
1: a like give me another reason to come here than to watch a movie I've seen 50 times already it's the people it's the atmosphere it's the setting um and also, I mean, people do come just because of 35mm. So some people have a bucket list of, okay, I wanted to see, you know, Back to the Future on 35mm film. It's like, well, you come here and you can, you know. And I think uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark and, and Last Crusade are playing 4th of July weekend. So, you know, there's certain people who just kind of want to check that bucket list. So that brings them there, too. Yeah. So. Interesting. How did you find them?
0: What, what, what brought about this because they're not local they're
1: right yeah it's about an hour and a half from lancaster um i was interested in shooting a documentary about a drive-in in in the town i grew up in so i grew up in clark summit pennsylvania and there's a drive-in called the circle drive-in which is in dixon city which is right next to it and this is up near scranton in in the northeast area and started filming with them but they, they were like too i don't know like they were too professional You know, like the guy, the manager was like, I'd like you to come back when we're all wearing our polos. And and I guess they have like matching polos with like the the drive-in logo. And like, that's fine. Like that's their business model. But they're, they seemed like more of a put together corporate style drive-in, even though they were not corporate. Um, You know, they kept yelling at me, you can't film the screen. You cannot film the screen. I was like, I know what I'm doing. (laughs) Leave me alone. So it's just, it was annoying, annoying me very much and my friend who I went to high school with who went to the Circle Drive-In was like well if you're looking for a drive-in I know this other one that I go to and he said it's called the Mahoning Drive-In he told me all about it and I think what interested me was a couple of things one, they worked entirely for free and two, they couldn't afford a digital projector so it had this sort of You know, this sort of uh, David versus Goliath, like, can these guys survive in this digital age? And it's like, you know, as someone who loves movies, I'm always constantly struggling with newer movies, you know? Like, to me, movies I feel like used to be almost like magic tricks, like, where I didn't know how they did something. Like, I'd watch a movie as a kid and be like, how did they do that? You know? Um, and now I never feel that way. And it's not because I'm 32. It's because I just know like, oh, some Caltech grad at a computer is animating it. And it's not... It's no too much at this like, point. Yeah. They're very talented. They're artists in their own right. But it's a different thing. You know, it's, a, it's almost a different medium. You know, it's like animation in a way. Um, there's something... Just about practical effects, where it's like a magician on the stage. Like, you, how does he do that? Now, if magicians all of a sudden could use CGI and part as they're in their show, like it would just lose because you would know yeah. right used off the bat. It used to be ILM doing yeah.
0: all the practical effects, right? Like, it's really cool and really interesting. And now it's just okay. Some guy knows this program and, yeah. and make this character.
1: Like, I love the special fe- special features. I love the special features of Star Wars, like the original trilogy, because. You saw them with the models, you know, you saw all this cool work, like the way they got Yoda, you know, they had to build these sets like way high off the ground. That way the puppeteer could sort of get in there with Yoda and just like all that stuff. It was just it's magical. And I think that's what there's a big difference between that being a part of that kind of production. And now it's just the dude sitting lab right and it's not Doing to it say computer screen. Yeah. yeah it's not to say i don't like movies today like i certainly enjoy movies that i go see especially if they have cgi it's just there's a uh, there's something missing where it doesn't sit with me as long and it's, it's rare like there's usually like one or two movies a year that just sit with me for a little while and i think about them and, and, and want to revisit them and you know, I'm like looking at the soundtrack and the, like all that, like what I used to do when I was a kid, like that obsessive, you know, I just try to cultivate everything in from that. Yeah, film. I think you
0: said it, it's less magical. Like yeah. There used to be movie magic yeah. that made these things happen. And, and, you know, it's just it just works differently. And it's so much more of the, the good films probably come in narratives and right. Like there's a lot more on the writing now um, just because the the special effects are just kind of a given with yeah. most movies, it's almost you have to have them if you're in any like certain type of genre, yeah. like sci-fi, or you have to have good yeah. special effects, or else it's like, well, what are you doing? <laughs> like you have to be really creative in the writing process. So, uh, what is uh, what's next for before we get into uh, the movie, we're going to talk about what what what's next uh, on the horizon for Manelli
1: Films. Um, well, a lot of things. You know, there's there's sort of like two sides to it. There's the projects that I'm working on. For businesses, for people, stuff like that. Um, I just did a, a piece for Jess King, who's running for Congress in the area. Um, I think that's gonna be released today, actually. Um, so, like, stuff like that. Like, I'm trying to build um, the sort of company more in terms of what I do. Then there's the other side, there's the things that I do for pleasure, which currently I'm trying to finish editing my next short documentary, which is about. California video, which right, just, I'm excited about. That one. <laughs> it was the last video store in all of Lancaster County and they just closed on April 30th. So I spent the last like couple weeks with them as they were closing up and, and doing everything. And they have a bizarre story too. And it's, it's eerily similar to the guys from the Mahoney drive, like very strangely similar. So I, I I'm trying to be truthful to their story, but also not feel like I'm making the same movie. Although it's kind of, it's, but. Are you trying to make it feature length again? Or no, 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 this will be, be short. short. Yeah, it'll be short. Um, only because I only got to film with them for like a couple of weeks. Um, so, I mean, I guess I could turn it into a feature if I wanted to keep shooting now and see what they were doing. But I feel like the interesting part to me was um, the closing of the video store because the, the film is actually about death. And it's about me being unable to cope with death. And, you know, the, they talk about it as it's a death, you know, like some of the, the stories death of, they share. Of rental stores. Yeah. And just like the closing of the store. And, you know, the one woman talks about, well, it has to happen to make way for the new. That's why people have to die. And that's why things have to close and things have to stop and end. So when she said that, like, that was a real trigger for me. You know, because I'm, I'm definitely born in the wrong generation. I feel like I, <laughs> I should have been born a long time ago. I'm very old-fashioned um, in terms of my, like, pop culture interests, not my politics. I was say old-fashioned, yet cargo shorts like... Yes, <laughs> okay. exactly, right. Um, so I think for me, this will be a very cathartic film and cathartic story sure. but maybe not for other people but certainly for me so
0: do you feel like you stick with documentary like that's because you're great at it is that where you kind of want to stay or do you, you ever see yourself doing something more narrative
1: um i like that I narrative like right scripted. i know what you mean yeah i know what you mean um you know i i have ideas i have you know short and feature ideas for narrative but i think what i like about documentaries is i i don't I, I could just go out and do it, you know? Like with narratives, I feel like I need to get a cast, a crew, a budget, you know, work with everyone's schedule. With the documentaries, and the reason I wanted to do the reason I wanted to jump into a feature with the drive-in documentary was because I was just tired of waiting for everything to come together. I just wanted to go out and make it. And I think that's what I like about documentaries is I can just start making it. It's and a solo kind of yeah, uh, and fly solo, you know. I they're very personal to me, like I'm using, like I said, I tell them all, this all the time. I use other people to tell stories about myself. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it's it, it,
0: it is interesting that the difference between the two documentary versus uh scripted because I've done mostly scripted, but then in watching your stuff and a couple of other people that have done sort of documentary things, it's given me like I kind of want to try it because like, I want to see if I have that same kind of spark that you're talking about yeah. where you just find yourself in the in the people that you're you're uh, talking to and, and bring that out so I'm, I'm giving it a go
1: I can't wait to some, some, I some can't wait to it. because of it. there you can make a personal film about someone else's story sure you know like you I treat them like narrative films in a What's way. exactly what you're trying to do. You're trying yeah. to give the audience a very personal view yeah.
0: of that person. And that can really only be filtered through you mm-hmm. as the filmmaker. So um, we're all looking forward to that. Where can we find all of these things
1: that you're making? Well, the short documentaries um, that I do for... Lancaster which is my Lancaster documentaries series that's you can go on Facebook you know to search Lancaster documentaries or facebook.com slash lank Docs um, or my website Manellifilms.com. films.com um, that's where pretty much everything is put on that website mm-hmm. so are you worth following on on Twitter or, or um, Instagram like you personally so? Instagram yeah I post quite often on Instagram I mean, not every day, but, you know, enough to stay relevant okay. <laughs> on social media. It's a uh, commitment, man. I Twitter,
0: try to do it all the time. Yeah, It's, it's commitment. T-
1: Twitter's more I just retweet things. And then I have a, a Twitter account for the drive in documentary where I might post a little more on that one. But my personal Twitter is mostly retweeting things that, you know, if someone wrote an article about a film I did or shared it, you know, mm-hmm. I'll kind of just retweet it. But I feel like Instagram mm-hmm. is more for our, our type of visual yeah. people. Yeah, Twitter's for the crazies. <laughs> <Put> <laughs> yeah, some i there and see what happens. I, uh, I I can't go on Twitter and just constantly share my opinions about things because yeah. it's I, I need to get away from doing because I, that, that, I mean you ask my wife I just sit around and we just complain constantly about I can't believe this is happening yeah well, so it's, it's it's I can't it's put struggling. that on social media because I need I need an, I need a way away from that. God so. bless you because I, I can't. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can't put the social media away.
0: So um, let's dive into into our, our theme of the week, uh, signs, which you're a big M. Night Shyamalan fan. Yes. You talked about him being an influence.
1: And I always have to defend that. <laughs> Why? <laughs> no uh, you know, well, Shyamalan has this, he has this sort of reputation of, okay, he made a couple of good movies and then he became hacky and dopey. And his, you know, the twist, you know, what a twist. I don't know if you've ever seen that uh, Robot chicken yeah, yeah. spoof. Um, so Shyamalan has sort of become a joke almost, and then now with these last two movies, uh, Split and uh, The Visit, he sort of regained you know some prestige. But even still, like I, I love his first handful of movies, and Signs was definitely one of the most anticipated movies of my life. This was peak Shyamalan. This was like <laughs> oh, this yeah, this was. Shyamalan at his highest he was on top of the world
0: at this point he, at this point he was given five million dollars just to write the script yeah I don't know if you knew that but mm-hmm. this was and that was the most any writer had ever been given to write a, just to write a movie and so this was him at the top of his game
1: he was the, he was on the cover I forget if it was I think it was Newsweek mm-hmm. and they said the next Spielberg Yes, and that was Spielberg. it had him standing next to like cornstalk it was right before Science came out So, yeah, uh, but this movie, like, I fell in love with him when I saw Unbreakable, and I saw Unbreakable um, when it came out in November of 2000, so I was a freshman in high school, and we went to the movies, and I had no interest in seeing the movie, other than the fact that we were, my group of friends and I, we were going with a group of girls who were sophomores, and they were all cheerleaders for the varsity football team, so we felt like the coolest guys in the world and and that's why I wanted to go to this movie you know we all had like one of the girls that we had a crush on so it was purely I'm gonna hang out with older people. we're not gonna watch this right we're gonna yeah. so we get in the theater we sit down the movie starts and like two minutes in I'm just I'm hooked and it it triggered some some aspect of storytelling or something that I just love it had this like mysterious element and then there was the comic book stuff so I'm just transfixed And then when the DVD came out, I watched the special features, and Shyamalan mentioned writing feature-length Twilight Zones. So this caused me to get into the Twilight Zone. So because of that, you know, I already loved Sixth Sense and Unbreakable, and then I got into the Twilight Zone, and then he announces, okay, my next movie is going to be Signs. And it's about crop circles, and I'm just like exploding. <laughs> this is because I love, you know, Edgar Allan Poe and and, and Twilight Zone, like mystery type stuff. And I, like this could have been the best idea I've ever heard. I was I was all in. So and do you think? Have you seen Split? Yeah, yeah. Are, are you in the camp, or you think it's a it's like the
0: Unbreakable sequel? Because a lot of people are putting the two uh, posters next to each other, and the the juxtaposition of the cracks. In the like glass, so to speak, like match up. Oh, that's that interesting. Before? No, so I some haven't. people are trying to say it's like a de facto sequel or something like that.
1: So it it definitely, I feel like he wrote it and made it just as it was, and then I feel like they, you know, I feel like he took ideas maybe from his because um, he said he always had ideas for an unbreakable sequel, and I feel like he took some of those ideas and made split, and then. Blumhouse looked at it and said, you know what? Like, what if we add on this sort of David Dunn tag at the end and kind of put it into the unbreakable universe, but as a secret. And I remember in the theater when I saw this and I I liked the movie, you know, it's not one of my favorite Shyamalan movies, but I liked it. And then all of a sudden I heard the unbreakable theme and I'm like, what the hell is going on? Why is the unbreakable theme playing? And, So it's almost tongue-in-cheek Yeah, the way that they did – like it is, but it isn't. Yeah, it was was like like them spoofing Marvel movies. You know how they always have like those little surprise tags like in the credits or something? It's not a bad idea because of how much – another thing that's different about the industry now is
0: you have so much more chatter just with online and just people talking about movies that have nothing to do with the movie, like all these fan theory kind of things. Yeah. So maybe they were just feeding that without ever answering the question. They were just throwing enough out there to make you think that, but then – you know, who knows if it really was or wasn't in, in channel Yeah, album. I'm
1: not sure if it was originally intended to be, like, a sequel or in that universe. But I feel like at some point they went back and they were like, let's add this, you know. So it's actually pretty genius.
0: So I, I want to play real quick uh, before we go on. Because a lot of this stuff will probably come up in conversation. So I want to make sure we get, like, the trivia stuff out <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we'll call this a new game called Signs You Might Watch Too Many Movies. <laughs> and it, it, it is in the same way of two truths and a lie so I'm going to say three things the first one's kind of multiple choice but I'm going to say three things and you have to tell me which one is not true about the production of this
1: so movie. two of them are true and two one of two of them are, are true is not. one of
0: them is not okay. true All right. so uh, first one is kind of like a multiple choice but it's still two true and one are false so the part of, of Graham Hess played by Mel Gibson was originally offered to two other actors uh, which one is not the actor it was offered to Paul Newman Bruce Willis Clint Eastwood
1: Mm, that's a good one Uh, because I've watched all of the special features on the DVD for Signs, and I don't remember that ever being mentioned I would guess Paul Newman Bruce Willis oh okay so so
0: Shyamalan said he originally envisioned the character as an older Mm. type of dad so it was originally offered to Paul Newman who turned it down then Clint Eastwood turned it down, and then he went to Mel
1: Gibson because he said Mel Gibson seemed like the kind of guy who would defend his family at all costs. Paul Newman would have been good, I think. He would have been. Clint Eastwood brings too much. Like he, he's too like he's cartoony. He's too, now. You
0: can't not see Clint Eastwood.
1: Yeah, he and he's got he's just got that way of talking. You know, like it, I don't think that would have worked. Right. So next two truths and a
0: lie. Uh a, M. Night Shyamalan came up with the idea for the film when he heard strange static coming through a baby monitor at his friend's house. The Delaware Valley College, where the film was shot, was so impressed with the method used by the crew to grow corn so fast that they added it to their agriculture curriculum. Or C, when Abigail Breslin auditioned, a dog with the same name as her character, Bo, became so attached to her that it tried to leave with her.
1: I'm going to say C is the false one. That is true, actually. Oh, <laughs> What's the so A was was A A was the false one. And yeah. what was that one again? That was where he came up with the idea when he heard static coming through the baby monitor oh, okay okay I feel I feel like I could see him. It's such a part of the movie. Yeah. yeah it's a pivotal cuz I remember him talking about how that's a, such a pivotal scene and he thought it was going to get edited out. But I could see him like having that happen and be like, "Oh, that's a great story." <laughs> I'm <write> that down.
0: <laughs> it does seem it's so M Night Shyamalan, yeah just yeah. coming up with that. Like he just be his friend's house and he hears something. He's like, "Wait."
1: Nobody moved.
0: <laughs> so run home and grab my notepad. But the, the most interesting one I thought was where they they just had this way that I guess the college didn't know where they grew this corn so fast. So you saw in the behind-the-scenes features, you know why yeah. they chose corn over wheat. Because yeah. most of this, the uh, crop circles, I guess, were in wheat fields.
1: Yeah. But but it, it didn't, didn't – like to bend – it just doesn't look uh, – I remember them saying bending corn is much more – like the look of it looks you know it's it seems like oh people couldn't do that right it seems you know? inhuman and it yeah. was just
0: it was taller so yeah. the scenes when he's out in the cornfields and he hears everything running yeah. around it just felt so much more daunting but they they were i guess these filmmakers were better at growing corn <laughs> this college <laughs> that teaches agriculture that they had to add it i find that so interesting yeah that's awesome all right next one uh Two truths in a lie. A, Mark Ruffalo, who was originally cast as Merrill, had a dream that he developed a brain tumor while shooting, and the next day he went to the doctor and was diagnosed with an actual brain tumor. Is it B, Shyamalan originally used a woman for the motion capture of the aliens, but later changed his mind and replaced the motion capture with Philadelphia Eagles wide receiver Freddie Mitchell? Or C, in order to limit the use of CGI, crew members actually made crop circles in the cornfields?
1: I know they actually. I know C is true. Okay. Uh, So it's A or B. I'm gonna have to say the Freddie Mitchell one. is fair. (laughs) That that is a little easy. They did actually.
0: It it's partially true because it was originally done with a woman. I know that. Yeah, that's
1: that's why at first. But when you said Freddie Mitchell, I was kind of like, I don't remember hearing that he was. (laughs) He's the guy. Is he the guy who used to have the belt? He carried the WCW belt with
0: him. Yeah. Fred X. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> Fred X, but yeah, he did replace the CGI with a, a man just because it it was more. The woman was too graceful. Mm, and he felt yeah. it wasn't as scary when he was doing it, so he kind yeah. of re-edited himself. But yeah, but yeah, this was the movie where Mark Ruffalo discovered his brain tumor. Because wow, of a I didn't know that's that. A, that's a story that that he told. Apparently, that's how huh. it gets told. All right, I got two more for you. Uh, Shooters in a Lie. Composer James Newton Howard began scoring the film before it was shot using only storyboards and notes. Is it B, Shyamalan did not tell Mel Gibson that he had cast himself as the driver who killed his character's wife prior to shooting the scene? Or C, Roger Ebert called signs a valiant attempt at replacing the suspense tactics of Shyamalan's favorite director, Alfred Hitchcock, but comes up just short? C is false. That is, that is yeah. correct, yeah. That sounds... I could see...
1: I see Ebert saying that, but... I think Ebert liked the movie. He did. He did um, like the movie. I think the DVD has... A, it's a quote, I think... I don't know if it's from him or if it's from Richard Roper, but saying it's like a modern-day Twilight Zone or something. There was some kind of, like, good quote on the box yeah, from it, that. Um, I, I
0: think I read that the, the major influences for it were Birds, um, Twilight Zone... And Night and of the Living Dead. Night of the Living Dead, and I think... I want to say "Close Encounters of the Third Kind." I want to say that was another one, but yeah, Hitchcock was definitely, and it feels very—it's a very Hitchcock-type film. Just oh yeah, the way yeah. That it's, that it's done. Yeah. Um, all right, last one. Two truths and a lie: Is it a two crew members fled the set while filming scenes in the cornfield because the practical effects spooked them? Is it B? Shyamalan was so secretive about the script that Mel Gibson joked it came with a padlock. Or C: Ninety minutes into the film, the aliens have only been on screen for eleven seconds.
1: I'd say A is false.
0: That is correct. A is false. But believe me, that, that's where I say it's so Hitchcock because 90 minutes into the film yeah. and the aliens, the, the scary part of this film have only actually been on the screen for 11 seconds.
1: And that was sort of the the Jaws effect as well, mm. you know, like not showing, I mean, but Spielberg, it was a practical reason he couldn't show up the shark because it just didn't That was work. actually
0: what led to that, that quote you told about where they called, or the, the thing on the cover where they called him the next Spielberg because that oh, is okay. such a Spielberg Move and yeah. the same thing in Close Encounters with the Third Kind, where you don't really see aliens all that much. It was just so, um, it creates more terror from within than giving you some kind of jump, yeah, from, I agree. Out,
1: from outside of it. So,
0: yeah, that was uh, that was my first attempt at a game. So, <laughs>
1: that was fun. <laughs> we'll see if there. I goes. learned a lot about one of my favorite. Well, I, I wouldn't put it in like my top 10 of favorite movies or anything, but signs will always have a special place in my heart because I was 16, I was just sort of. I had fallen in love with filmmaking at this point. It, I knew it's what yeah. I wanted to do. And this was like the first movie that really I just I wanted to see so bad.
0: It's such a that's and that's such a cool moment as if like right after you realize it's what you want to do, you're just this sponge. Yeah. That you just start looking at movies completely different because now you're not watching the movie, now you're studying it. Now you're just falling over like you said with unbreakable. Yeah. You're just something clicks in you and you're just soaking it in. For me, this was, this was peak Shyamalan for me. Sixth Sense was probably the thing he's going to get most remembered for. Yeah. Just because of the twist. Um, but this was just an, an exercise, and he called it the easiest movie for him to make. Unbreakable, he said, was his favorite, but Signs was the easiest, just because everything kind of fell directly into place with control he had over the set and, uh, and that sort of thing. But it just it brings back that Hitchcock level of the long shots that don't break that you're just hearing things and the sound and all that it almost felt um, almost like War of the Worlds in a certain way because it yeah. had this big the earth is being invaded but you're only seeing it from, from the perspective of this one
1: very and that's it's, it's funny you mention that because that's a description I've been kind of giving to my drive-in documentary where the film versus digital is a very big topic it's you know and, and but we're only following this one tiny drive-in we don't interview anyone else we don't care what
0: industry people right there's no
1: other you know context other than your it's just this specific story and i think to make something today because we've seen so much i feel like that's a great way to approach something you know these very niche stories that well this is the only like there's been documentaries about drive-ins and documentaries about film versus digital But never this group of guys, you know. So um, that's one thing I like about Signs is there's not a zillion. It's very focused. It keeps you very hermetically sealed within this family. So, um, yeah, I I wouldn't call it like it's certainly not his best movie. It's not a perfect movie. Um, You know, I think everyone kind of laughs at the fact that water is what kills the, <laughs> the
0: aliens which is why i go back to war of the worlds isn't that what did them in in war of the worlds is, is water or something
1: or... but it just it, from the way that it was shown i feel like there's there's water in the atmosphere like mm-hmm. our our ecosystem is it, it, and our most of our planet is water yeah. you know mm-hmm. so people were like I think people make an appropriate joke where it's like, "Why would these aliens were stupid?" Like, so simple. They yeah. get trapped in a claw, in a pantry, and they come to a planet that's predominantly water. It all so. that time to build a ship, yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> to come here to invade, to terrorize people for weeks. Oh no, water! Yeah. <laughs> Not water! Nothing. I mean, it could have been something else, you know. Like, it, but if water, like, was their downfall, yeah, if they knew or I don't know if they knew it, but at that, why would they come to a planet that is seventy percent right. water? And, and attack beings that are
1: ninety percent water. Like, yeah, that,
0: like one of them is on the ship. Like, damn you, Carl. Yeah, I the mean, when, that was supposed to do the when they got ship out of, of time.
1: yeah. When they got out of their ship, they should have realized there's water in the atmosphere. Like something should be happening to them. But yeah, yeah <laughs> we, we won't. I understand what Shyamalan was going for. He wanted it to be a primitive way to kill them. Right. To show that they had all this technology to come, and it was a very simple because I guess you know it's making that message. It's it's usually the simplest of explanations. They didn't or need reasons. to build Pacific Rim right. robots. <laughs> you know,
0: all we needed was a squirt gun. Exactly, and, and we're good. Um, but I, even that, yeah, it, it, it it's a little bit of a plot hole, but it, it does kind of bring the other part that kind of made me laugh is the premonition, the swing away. Yeah, like, yeah. Meryl the premonition kind of now, thing
1: like that. It's again the idea is fine I think where her dying words are in some way going to help them out of a situation I just think it was the the, the choice of what those words were and the fact that it was a baseball bat like right, yeah. you know what I mean like if it was something more specific like what she said something totally random and then it played I think it might have I feel like there was an appropriate way to, put to be, I'm
0: that. trying to remember because it's been a while since I've seen it but Merrill is supposed to be he was a baseball player correct he? yeah he had
1: the bat on the wall yeah, which yeah, they yeah. referenced earlier in the movie yeah. he had you know the home run record but right. he also had the strikeout record so uh-huh. he was kind of he wasn't very good um, but yeah it just it, yeah the fact that like he needed to be told to take a bat off the wall mm-hmm. Like I feel like instinctually you might have I don't know Maybe it was giving permission to right. fight the aliens and not like necessarily that. use the bat. It was, you can fight him, fight him. He's going to
0: beat the crap out of this alien
1: yeah. kind of thing.
0: And the alien has like a little Spider-Man thing on his <laughs> arm. Yeah, the, the early
1: days of CGI, it's not a very good alien. And it was but,
0: so, like, and you said it before, like, the uh, the Shyamalan was really trying to make this as practical as possible. Like, he, yeah. he was trying to avoid as much CGI as he possibly could, which... May or may not have been tied to the reason that the aliens weren't on screen for all that much because he just he knew they were going to have to be some sort of CGI. But um, even going back, like I'm not a horror genre kind of guy. I do appreciate the kind of the classic ones, almost that kind of fall on the cusp, like this one does, where it's like horror thriller, like a it, like a Hitchcock. It almost doesn't feel like a horror movie, and I don't no. think really it's really yeah I that way, but, like. way. but it's it, but it's got the the terror element of it yeah. which is like a Hitchcock so it really kind of stands on, on that ground and I think it does stand the test of time being that because you can watch it now and even with all the movies now that have the CGI this without all of that still you know achieves the the same type of you can watch it now yeah. and still kind of have that same even though you know what's going to happen you still get that same type of emotion type of fear that builds in you and that's just a testament to direction on that uh, on that level, that is hard to achieve. It you, it can't be done cheaply. Yeah, and it's it's a it's a great accomplishment there. Um,
1: it kind of reminds me of a quiet place. Did you see that?
0: I haven't seen it. I
1: I've read okay. about it. I've heard about it. I it, won't tell you much it about kinda... it, but it, it has that feeling of you don't see the monsters very much mm-hmm. until the end. Like the end of that movie, they show you the monsters and they go balls to the wall. Like we're showing you the monsters. <laughs> They're here. So. Uh, in that sense it was a little different but just the pacing, the tone everything, they're very similar movies so if you like Signs I think you'll like A Quiet Place
0: even they said the same thing uh, the filmmakers it's a, it's a genre movie like it defies genre in the sense that it's got the monsters and, and that type of fear but it's told from the perspective it's a family story right? of them trying to protect each other and, and communicate when they can't really do so verbally Right. that sort of thing so yeah it plays into that same type of thing where it's it's a large issue I guess the monsters have taken over the earth or whatever like it's kind of post-apocalyptic for that but it's you're just seeing one family you're not seeing everybody World War Z kind of thing
1: yeah I and think like, what works about signs and I think why it seems also Spielbergian um, not just the lack of showing um, the aliens but Shyamalan's early films, and even The Sixth Sense has this. There is a tremendous sense of heart Mm -hmm. and a little bit of wonder that goes into his films mixed with the terror. And he blends them perfectly in probably his first three, maybe four movies. Um, I know a lot of people don't like The Village. I love The Village. (laughs) But he has this sense of, you know, you're, you're scared, but there's also this very like sweet story going on you know like in unbreakable he was this guy who was just who didn't feel like he was contributing or didn't know what he was supposed to be doing in his life and then when he discovers that his relationship gets better and that is more interesting to me than the the sort of surface Mm -hmm. story that's happening and in signs it's a guy who loses his faith because his wife is killed and he's a he was a priest too which makes it even you know you feel like a priest is not going to lose his faith over something like that, but it's so it's a very tragic story, and this brings him, this restores his faith, so it's a sort of beautiful subtextual story, and just the way he treats characters and treats everything, he, he shoots it the way Spielberg did with the sort of, you're kind of looking up, and, and it's very uh, yeah, it just has a little bit of wonder mixed in there you know, like you're kind of like Joaquin Phoenix's character was so taken by the aliens early on in the movie. Like, he was obsessed with watching them. You know, yeah. he had that the sort scene of... scene in the
0: in, was there coat closet yeah. that he said <laughs> yeah, when yeah. he sees the footage from Brazil, that's yeah. still one of the most terrifying... That still makes me jump and yeah. makes me just, like, freak Vamanos, out. Like,
1: Vamanos, like Vamanos, if I'm watching
0: that in the dark, like, I'm just, like, <laughs> looking around me, like, it's, it's still one of the most terrifying things I've yeah. ever seen on film.
1: So Uh, I think that's why, for me, why his early films worked. And then he kind of got away from that in the middle of his career and started doing other things. And I don't, as much as I liked Split and The Visit, I still feel like they fall short in that, you know, quality that I was just talking about. It's hard to recapture,
0: especially if you do it early.
1: Yeah. I feel like that was his peak. And he can still make good movies, but I don't know if he'll ever make something quite like those first, you know, three or four movies.
0: Yeah, um, we'll see. He's, uh, he's still, still a young guy. Yeah, I, I love he's him. I, I
1: will always go see his movies. And he's a
0: Philly guy, so I got to always root for, for the, the Pennsylvania filmmakers. And especially because he has stayed. Yeah. Everything is set in around yeah. that area. He films in and around that area, that kind of thing. So that is something that I'll always appreciate. Well, thanks for being here, man. I, I really appreciate your insight. I can't wait to see what you've got going on.
1: Thanks. in the future here so thanks, thanks for, for doing this I've, I've been listening to I, like I said I listened to all of them I didn't listen to the last one yet but I'm going to listen to that um, very soon and you know. so thanks <laughs>
0: alright end of podcast <laughs> And there you have it. Uh, I love talking to my filmmaker friends, uh, especially Al, who I think is one of the most talented documentary filmmakers that I've ever personally come in contact with. Um, If you want to see more of his work, uh, like he said in the episode, you can find him on Facebook, Lancaster Documentaries. Uh, He has a little bit on uh, Instagram, but most of his stuff is on Facebook. Uh, Again, Lancaster Documentaries. He he tends to just walk the streets and find some of the most interesting people around Lancaster uh, and just do some really cool stuff with them. Uh, his new one should be coming out pretty soon, uh, which is about the last uh, movie rental store in Lancaster County, which is fun for me because I used to go to movie rental stores all the time, and I'm kind of sad that they're gone. It's nice to have it on my TV, but there was just something about going in and picking out a, a DVD and browsing everything uh, right in front of you that was just uh, it was a reason to get out of the house and you know, just kind of look at movies for a little while. So fun to see that. Uh, if you want to see more, you can follow uh, us on social media on Instagram at special features podcast on Facebook at special features podcast. Uh, and we're on Twitter, not so much, but it's uh, at spec features pod. Uh, if you want to see more and uh, join us for our next episode, if you have an idea of what you want to be the next movie that we talk about, uh, find us on social media and, and let us know. Uh, we love hearing feedback until then, if I don't see you good afternoon, good evening and good night.